Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Star Trekking with Nerdy Up North. I am one of your hosts, Captain Goodwill, and I am joined, as ever, by Science Officer Sinoise. Hello there, Sinoise. Hello, I am totally not a changeling. I'd just like to confirm that right now. Sounds a bit... Uh... <laughs> It sounds a bit suspicious. <laughs> Did it use a contraction, Mate. anyone? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, hello, yes. hello. How are we all doing? Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I, I've had a few days off. I've mm. recharged. I've introduced some mood lighting into the boudoir, the, <laughs> the, the ready room, as we'll start to call it, um, because it was looking a bit flat. So I thought I will introduce some pawn lighting into the... Uh, <laughs> What is that, by the way? What is the thing on the tripod? Is that like I don't know if people can see that, but it's like is it is it? This just is a light? light. It's a light. Oh, is yes. it those LED things? It's it's an LED studio light. Oh, oh my god, it is so fancy. Oh, it's, it is it's so, so high tech. fancy. It because I, I used to work in TV. If no one ever knows, that's why I look so <laughs> professional. But look, <laughs> ooh, oh, ah. poor fish. Oh, yes. It is my little tiny studio lights that uh, you can either have on a <laughs> tripod or mount onto a camera. Yeah. And then you've got remote lighting wherever you go. So no one is That's really good. dark. Yes. Uh, I'm a consummate <laughs> professional now, you know. Um, <laughs> I worked for the BBC, don't you know? Um, so, yes, I, I invested in some nice lights. My uh, I will as I as I, <laughs> as I get more money, I may get more stuff. Um, well, what if it's just more lights and then you end up with this like crazy sort of like it looks like a rap video background and you just go, this is entirely unnecessary, but it's just upscaled. Well, it's, it's it's one of those great. <laughs> it's, it's, they're not fancy LEDs where you can change them. I, I do have gels. Whoa. Can you see? So ooh, look at that. He's gone blue. <laughs> oh, He's my God. Gone blue. And then, you know, if I'm if I'm talking to the prophets, I can go yellow. <laughs> yeah, that's um, it. And it's just and then, random people in your house saying random things to you. If it if it's like one of my Whoever's Japanese on set animes, on that day. If it's like a Japanese anime, I can just censor. So yeah. only the titties. Only, only the titties and the pee-pee. They're the only things that get censored. <laughs> but then you can you can change the colour and go, ooh, ah, ooh. <laughs> so very very old school, but a bit of yeah. bit of moonlight in uh, nonetheless. Uh, I will be upgrading my camera, everybody. Um, mm. So you will see me in at least 1080p. So I best get uh, a moisturising regime underwear now, so you don't see all my wrinkles and uh, mm. um, yeah, everything. So, uh, but no, how has your week been, Sinois? Well, my week, my week has been really good, to be fair, because uh, I've barely been in my actual job. Um, I haven't been doing any drag. We got the latest Snatch Talk episode out, which was brilliant. We. Uh, well, the final one, that's all out and stuff. And that was a lot of work, but we got it done. Link in um, the description below, guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, um, what is it? And then Wednesday, I had my first day off in about seven weeks. Like the first sort of, you know, you know, you have days off, but then you have the days off where you've still got a deadline looming, where you have like time. But then you're like in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, but this needs to be done. Oh, but this, this is the first time when I was like, no, nothing needs to be done. And obviously me, me and my best mate, Ian, just spent like the whole day watching the Universal Monster movies in preparation for the Nerdy Up North tomorrow, where the, where the proper podcast is doing about Universal creature features. So like, you know, the Invisible Man, Frankenstein, uh, Wolfman and stuff. 
Uh, and we just binged them. We binged like eight movies in a day. And we were like, whoa, we're so sick of universal movies by the end. And it was, but it was great. It was really relaxing. We got takeaway in. It was wonderful. Um, yeah. The other thing I need to mention is that be, I'll mention it again at the end, but this Friday coming. So Friday, the whatever the Friday is going to be. <laughs> I think it's like the 14th to the 15th. Uh, we will be doing fifteenth of April. Yes, we will be doing a twenty-four hour charity stream for Saint Benedict's Hospice uh, in Sunderland, where we will be basically taking donations. But like you know how Twitch streams usually work, where you pay the channel points and you get the rewards. This will be the same, but with money, where you donate and you can control the stream a little bit. But we'll basically be just playing video games together for like twenty-four hours, just chatting on like mates. Ian is an artist. He will be. Um, drawing things throughout the whole thing so i think what you can what we're going to do is you can pay a certain amount of money uh and he'll do like a quick sketch of anything you want so you basically say hey draw krang or something from turtles or draw like you know picard or something and then he'll kind of sketch it out but you can pay more money and he'll do an actual several hour long picture and i've put some examples of these on the facebook event page but uh you know, just so you can see the quality of them, because it's like, whoa, it's that thing when you've known someone for so long, you're like, I remember you being rubbish at art. Oh, you're really fucking good now. Okay, right, never mind. Can he draw evil Keiko? Uh, I'm sure he'd be able to. That's the thing, but that's exactly what the donations are for, where it's the idea of, can he draw it? Donate and find out, you know. Uh, it's simply because our, we got some very bad news yesterday, if I'm perfectly honest, where basically um, our friend who has been using the services of St. Benedict's Hospice is not responding to treatment so it is the idea of this is the best opportunity for us to raise money for these people who have been incredibly good to her over the years so it's that thing of using what limited ability or power i might have to try and help out a little bit because i think it's very easy in these situations to feel a bit powerless to feel a bit like hey you can't do anything from the sidelines and so that's what this charity stream's all about and that's why i'm being a bit annoying by mentioning it now and then i'll mention it at the end but yeah so you can go to sinoise.com uh, forward slash twitch or easier to remember the velvet snatch.com forward slash twitch uh, and that'll take you to this stream i might link it to the event page for the time being but yeah uh but no it'd be wonderful if people who are watching this even if you're not a fan of retro video games like i don't know what we're going to be playing probably Probably, I, I know I want to play Mega Man 2. I want to play Mega Man 2 all the way through. I want to play Sound Hill 1 all the way through. I think we're going to get a new game called Sol Solaris or something. <laughs> you know, Ooh, we're going to play through that. Yeah, okay. uh, we're just going to do stuff. But what you can do is you can also donate to get us to play a game. Like, it might be from a list. Like, we might be like, hey, here's our list. Choose what game we move on to. Or it might be a game or if you pay a lot of money, we'll just buy the game <laughs> and install it in the background or something. You know, like, um, it's this, it, the, the, it sounds horrible, but it is just this idea of going, we need to raise money. <laughs> like, so it's this idea, we will be your Twitch cost. monkeys <laughs> for, for 24 hours uh, to do that. And that'll be happening after next week's podcast, I assume, because I think we're live on Friday, are we? Well... We don't we don't know yet, but we okay. will, we will we will find out if we are live or not. But if we are live, rest assured, guys, that we will tell you. I will uh, constantly spam your Twitter feeds. Um, 
which is seems to be working and i will spam the nerdy up north uh facebook page but this is a very very worthy cause guys so please um if you are able to even if it's just for a little while pop into their stream on friday um say hello donate uh anything you can um it's a yeah. very worthy cause um i too would like to uh, plug another uh, worthy cause as well, since we are since we are on the uh, since we are <laughs> on it. Um, my dearest and oldest friend um, Alison, uh, who is in the Nerdy Up North uh, Facebook community, is doing Race for Life uh, on the seventh of July in aid for Cancer Research UK. Um, those that uh, know me know I can't run for shit. Um, because I have got the knees of a 90-year-old um, and I have got the um, lung capacity of a dead person. So um, she will be doing Race for Life and uh, she's doing it in, in honour of um, not only people that she knows but some of my family as well um, who have experienced the god-awfulness that is cancer. Um I've already posted on the Nerdy Up North uh, Facebook community. Um, if you can donate anything, um, that would be wonderful. I'll put everything uh, in the description below for you guys for Sinoises and Mines uh, charity donations. Doesn't have to be much. Uh, whatever you can spare, we will really appreciate that. Um, but everything will be in the description below. But uh, yes, I am giving you a shout out, Alison. So you are now YouTube famous. So please don't let it go to your head um, <laughs> because I know what you were like at school. But um, <laughs> Hang on. I, I like how you've basically just chosen someone to be your champion, effectively. It's just like, I can't oh, yes. do it myself. This is like, which is that episode of TNG where, uh, what is it, like, is it is it the Klingon one where they where someone picks someone to be their champion? And you're like that's totally cheating, you know. It's like even Quark fought his own battle. Well, technically, Worf did it in DS Nine, but you know. But much like, can't uh, we just do that with her running in a hollow suite, and you sort of like in the actual race being controlled? Much much like Jack possessing people, I will <laughs> possess her and do it uh, in her body, so my knees don't shatter into a million pieces. So, um, but yeah everything will be in the description below guys uh if you can donate anything that would be uh wunderbar so thank you so much so now that's out of the way shall we get into this week's episode of star trek picard go on then you've pulled me leg oh okay <laughs> you are so polite. wait that's not my leg <gasps> oh, overcame right hashtag uh, so candle flag Hashtag candles flag. Let's get, <laughs> let's get the movement going, guys. Hashtag candles flag. Um, okay, so let's get into uh, this week's episode uh, of Starship Picard Season 3, Episode 8, titled Surrender. So, this... Uh, overall, I absolutely love this episode. Um, really, really well executed, well acted. Um, it opens up, though, uh, with Vadik staring out into space the the dome uh, yeah. above the captain's chair on the bridge which i've never <laughs> seen before i was like oh there's a bit of this you, you don't never? usually get to see no hmm. 
<clears throat> they're on every ship and it was on the the enterprise d as well really so, this is yeah, me just yeah. being crap but it i like the idea that it looked like a star chart though it looked like it was sort of like you know like they have in uh, astrometrics where it's like oh but i love the idea that the captain's just like wait where are we what does that mean <laughs> you know it's yeah. What's it's, this? It's really nice. I mean, it's it's also because <clears throat> they had that in Star Trek Generations when they they hot dropped the mm. uh, the D, and then Riker just looks up after the crash to just see a shattered window in daylight, and I thought that was very. It's, mm. it's something that we never really uh, see in in Star Trek, and it's like, oh yeah, the the bridge is like three hundred and sixty degrees, so there's stuff yeah. that you probably never will see. Um, but <clears throat> it opens up the Vatic sparking up now i'm thinking she's sparking up a doobie <laughs> and i i tell she you is why stressed. she is stressed yeah and she's constantly in pain mm. so i think this changeling loves the devil's lettuce <laughs> oh you're saying that the devil's lettuce yes that's right yes um so yeah so uh <laughs> loads of little nods <clears throat> i don't know because when i re-watch this um i obviously put the headphones in and it's the tiny little things that you notice when you've got the headphones in like the little sound effects there was a lot mm. of star trek 09 sound effects really in this, in this tiny little scene and throughout there was loads of little sound effects and i was like oh damn when you when you watch it originally like the first time mm. you don't notice it but then you rewatch it you're like oh that's from that film that's from that series that's and it's like the tiniest little details that they've put in yeah it's amazing they're only so few people will like hear or pick up on and stuff like that. And I, I love that. I really <laughs> love that. But this is so, uh, so this scene is obviously Vadik is <clears throat> cutting off communication, cutting off lights, and she's trying to isolate. She's trying to uh, basically trap the crew of the Titan um, in uh, wherever they are. They are being slaughtered. As we mm. see, uh, where some of the crew, like the lights get cut off, the communications cut off, and they're just out and out, just slaughtered by the changelings. Um, and she's saying, you know, cut off your ears, cut off your sight. Um, and all this is going on. And uh, Picard and Beverly are trying to retake the bridge from sickbay. Mm. They can't. Everything is absolutely locked out. Um, and then... After the slaughter, after all the the screams that we hear, we have to say how brutal this is as well. Very brutal. like you know just how horrible you know, this scene is when you think about it, like you know because yeah, what's the crew capacity? Is it like one hundred and fifty? Oh no, about four five hundred. Okay, well it's probably about one hundred and fifty. Well, they they have been moved <laughs> like they, after they all they've been through. Most of them were moved, weren't they? When Raw Laren came with the Intrepid, so most of yeah. them were moved uh, off the ship, but there's still. I would say so. But then you've got to think how many of the ones that were moved are now dead because they effectively oh, God, were transported yeah. to a changeling ship. <gasps> yeah. So, yeah, so it's the sort of thing of going, wow, they're going to get to the end and they'll be like, okay, you need to do 50 things each because, like, yeah, we'll have one person manning the bridge. Oh, wow, yeah. So, I mean, that was, like you said, that was quite harrowing to, to hear the, the screams mm. of people being killed and being isolated and, and tortured. Well, not tortured, but just executed, basically. Um, and Jack, it's it's getting to the point where Vadik just wants Jack and wants Jack to come to the bridge. And Jack's like, I can go up there, I can go up there. And they, Picard and, and, and Beverly, don't want him to go. And they're saying, no, you know, basically, yeah. no, because if they have you, they'll just kill us all anyway. 
and then we find out like he finally admits that uh he can i want to say astral project yeah possess i think possess is probably like you know i think because it is like possession because obviously it seems to be that he can know them a little bit like you know by doing it it's not just like a puppeteer thing i don't i don't know because he, he can hear that soldier doesn't he he possesses that officer uh um, yeah and he's walking around and then he he, he feels the soldier getting killed um, yeah which whew, that, you know that must be a terrifying feeling to but, but this is this is the thing it's like it's it's really it's a fascinating concept and i like that i like that they don't believe him at first like i like you know like the beverly's just like you must be hallucinating you know just kind of um yeah and, yeah and i i was kind of wanting him to kind of demonstrate like maybe possessing Be beverly and then sort of going oh okay that's a real like demonstrating it but do you possess uh, your they mom, just though? believe what pun do you possess your mum? Oh, actually, that's a good one. Oh, your dad. Okay, cool. That is. Well, you can't possess Picard. He's positronic. We don't know that. We don't know that you can't. Oh. Maybe <laughs> we don't know how far Jack's power goes. But um, but I, I think it was it was quite good. Like it was a it was a nice little thing, and it was like you know a a subtle sort of like you know like hey, I've got these powers, I can do it. And I quite like that. Like. I quite, quite like that they had him testing it out and stuff. And I loved the bit where he possesses the soldier and sort of goes around and you see just how brutal everything is and like how, you know, you know, there's barely anyone alive in these like lockdown corridors and stuff. I thought it was, I, it was, it definitely sets the stakes for the episode, you know? Yeah, because after this, um, we then go to the Shrike and we finally um, get some Deanna uh, love um, and I, I've seen a lot of discourse online where they say, oh, you, you know, Marina Sirtis, she's only been in these handful of episodes, blah, 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 you're doing mm. her wrong. Blah. But at the end of the day, guys, Marina Sirtis lives in London. Um, yeah. She has a busy schedule. And, you know, getting to L.A. when your family is in London, mm. um, it, you know, it probably would be difficult for a lot of people. We, it's also the fact of like what I, I was going to say this later, but it's the fact of like this series has included people properly. It hasn't been like seasons one and two where they just go, hey, it's Hugh. Hey, it's Itcheb. Like, well, <laughs> hey, it's Itcheb. Well, it was, um, you know, and it's this horrible thing of just going, don't just throw people at stuff. Like, this is something where we've seen, you know, we've seen Troy enough. Like, we've kind of gone like, hey, she's been hinted at. She's had a couple of things to say. But we've got everyone in their time. So we've got everyone where there was a build-up to Worf, there was a build-up to Geordie, there was a build-up... There wasn't a build-up to Data, but then they kind of went, this kind of has been the build-up to Data. So we kind of got Data in, like, the, la the episode before last, and then we had an episode of going, oh, well, he's not quite here, he's, you know, he's struggling kind of thing, and then this one we also go, oh, he's struggling and stuff. But then we close out the episode by being like, oh... Okay, now they're introduced. And it's the same with Troy, where it's the fact of, like, as we see in this episode, Troy is very going to be very important to the plot of the series, but she didn't need to be there doing nothing like fucking Raffi and Seven and who is the warrior bloke in Picard one and two? Elno. Elno, yeah. See, that's the effect he had on me. That's that that's the the, the depth <laughs> of character that he had. 
you know, but they're like there and they're like, oh, well, we introduced them at the beginning of the series. They've got nothing to do. So they're just standing in the background for all of this. At least this way we go, hey, it's Troy when we need her and being amazing. That And I think that's yeah. a far better way of doing it than just being like, bang, here's here's all, all of the crew together from episode one. Now, how are we going to use them all? That would have been very fluid. Yeah. Um, I, I think the way they've done it, because obviously, <clears throat> I mean, what, what we have to remember is not everyone who has been in Star Trek wants to do a full time commitment in Star Trek. They mm -hmm. may be grateful uh, for what Star Trek has done for them. But let's be honest, you, you, you don't want it full time. Um, and it's it's also like like i said this would this was very fluid the way it was done it gelled a lot better um they're in the uh the cell shall we say like a yeah. they're in, they're in a cell um and, I, Which and bizarrely I, I, the shrike set reminds me of farscape Yes, you know this weird thing. Where I was looking at it, organic, being like, what does this remind it? me of? This reminds me because obviously the first episode of Farscape starts with him in a cell and stuff, and that just and this whole scene just reminded me of that. And I was like, oh, I need to watch Farscape again. You know, it's it's quite organic. Um, but I think the way that Deanna is has been dealt with this season overall has been. I I, I don't see the discourse with that because, like I said, mm. a lot of people don't want to be full time. A lot of people have family. Um, I'm reminded of Avery Brooks when he was uh, in DS9, when mm. he was full-time in DS9. He flew back to New Jersey every weekend from Los Angeles to be with his family because oh, he didn't yeah. want to up he didn't want to uproot his children from their school. He didn't want to move or anything like that. Yeah. He stayed in New Jersey and he flew back every so as soon as they finished on the Friday. He yeah. was in New Jersey on the Saturday and then he flew back on the Monday. Mm. That a lot of people don't want to move to LA. A lot of people have moved away from LA since they've done this and they're like, I'm happy where I am. So yeah. to, to to understand why Marina Sirtis is you know is is in less than other people, it's justifiable. And I think Terry Metallis and the crew have written her in in a way where it's because like you said, it, it it's it's fluid, it it's yeah. meaningful. And it's like, yeah, we've seen tidbits throughout, but now she's there, but she is there for a reason. Um, and I'm I'm so glad that the banter between Riker and Troy is still there. Like they are, let's be honest, an old married couple. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that he goes, you know, I missed your anxiety. And she's like, oh, I wish I taught you another word. <laughs> and I'm just like, even she's sick of him saying anxiety. It is, it is, it is great, though. Like, it's, it's what, what does it actually mean? Isn't it like my love or something? My like, love or something. Like yeah, that. it's that thing. And she's like, okay, you've pretty much been milking this for like as long as, like, even before we meet uh, them. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Even before we meet them, like, you know, that, that was his nickname for her because obviously they were broken up by the time. Uh, we get them in TNG, but it's just that wonderful thing of, you know, it, it's really strange though, because obviously I complain about seasons one and two of Picard, and I kind of feel like it's the whole past that gelled it. Like, it, you know, you can't just take Patrick Stewart and be like, oh, now it's next generation, or now it's Picard kind of thing. It's weird seeing this and be like, no, actually, having Riker here, having Troy here, having like Geordie and Worf this is what makes it 
gel. Like it's it's how good the original casting of TNG was that all of these characters are essential in themselves. And this scene was like pretty much that, where you're just going, whoa, like Jonathan Frakes can just carry a scene. Like, mm. and the fact is, after all I've said about Marina uh throughout this like you know series so far where i'm like oh she can't do the voice anymore she fucking can like she was she was troy throughout this entire episode and i'm like okay yep ignore everything i said you can still do it you're still amazing like it was very much troy and that was wonderful start maybe maybe on the view screen when she was like sending in videos from london or whatever she wasn't fully doing it but when she's on set here she's yeah <laughs> It's great. Star Trek has always been about the ensemble cast. It's never been about mm. one specific person. And I think a lot of... Uh, until Discovery. But... Um... Well, this is the thing. Like, I think a lot of... A lot of, a lot of pushback... Um, not not the, uh, the really bad pushback. Not the ones where you're just like, please go outside. Uh, speak to people. The mm. Not the really negative pushback, but the, the constructive feedback... Uh, has been that Discovery, although it has its own merits, has never really been about the ensemble. It's been about one, maybe two or three others, mm. where it's for Star Trek, is a, Star Trek is a show that it's the crew and you build the relationships with the crew, you build familiarity with it. Um, and I think that's what was lacking um in discovery and i think you know other series strange new worlds lower deck they've they've done really well to to build um that back up and they've learned from that um and seeing how season one picard was played out compared to how season three is yeah like mm. you can't just take picard like you said plop it in and go yeah it's next generation because yeah. the next generation wasn't picard it was it was a sum of multiple parts that made it the next generation um and this is what they've got right with season three where you can have these scenes with troy and riker in uh in a cell and it's like yes this is what star trek is about or you know uh data and geordie and you mm. go yes this is what it is because they are just more picard does not have to be involved in every single scene to yeah. make it feel like the next generation and well, this that's, is like you say that's true of all track like it's like mm -hmm. like the crazy ds9 episodes where it's the frengi episodes where like you know where cisco appears for like a five seconds and they're like that's it that's cisco for this episode or like you know or the wonderful ones where you have like dax like yeah you, you know when you start noticing it and how they do it where if they appear before the titles then it means that they're probably not going to be in the rest of the episode like it'll literally have sort of like uh you know where it'll have like um you know o'brien and bashir talking about something in quarks and then it's like oh cool this random little scene is happening because they're not in the rest of the episode but they're there and it's this wonderful nod to go hey fans of them they're still here and that's it's very a much world what this season isn't it? is yeah. yeah and it's very much what the season is so it's even the characters that don't get to do much in this one like Shaw, Shaw doesn't really have much to do in this episode but he's still there you were still acknowledging him and it's you know it, it's it's a really good one. I mean, I have to say, though, this scene between Troy and Riker has one of my favourite lines. This episode is full of good one-liners. Like, yes. it is astonishing. Like, this is a, such a quotable episode because we... What are they, what's the line she says? It's a very 
judgy foyer <laughs> when they're oh, talking about later, the house. later on in uh, when 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 we go back to the cell later on yeah i i love that there was a few good lines in that one um, <laughs> i love it when it's just complaining about the house and it's just like it's a very judgy foyer and you just like there was a few this. yeah there was there was a few lines in that um we'll, we'll get to that because we yeah. they talk about thaddeus uh in this scene mm. um and you know how it's uh it's just it's that he is, you know Riker left because he needed to to come to terms with his grief mm. um about Thaddeus um but we'll get more into that because it goes into more detail later on in a in a different scene because we go back to uh the bridge mm. um and again one line is like Vadik in this where she's just in the chair she's like this is comfy I'm gonna take this with me and I'm just like <laughs> oh okay right and I'm like do, do you know what I mean? Like stuff, like tiny yeah. little things all the way through the episode. We, it's um, the characterization. It's the fact of how, you know, we were saying like, oh, you know, I hope we get to see more of Vadik and stuff and like how she how she kind of set herself up really well. Like, you know, like Amanda Plummer had set the character up really well in those first couple of like, oh, hints and like, oh, a little bit of suspicious talking and stuff. And then in this one, we just go, wow, like how good this character is, like how how good the character is, how well-rounded they are. Well, not, you know, like not mentally, but, you know, it's like how like, <laughs> well-rounded they are as a character. Um, yeah. And and it's it's a joy to behold because like just, yeah, Amanda Plummer is stealing the show, but then everyone is like Shaw's stealing the show, like Frakes is stealing the show. It's like, well, this yeah, is it's, thing. it's phenomenal. This but but yeah, this scene like, you know her and and we get that craziness like and it's so good like to you know you could happily do like you know like Heath Ledger's Joker where it's this wonderful sort of craziness but you kind of just go could you keep this up forever like if you had a series with a character that wild in it would it grate on you after a point kind of thing and what we've seen with Vadik is no like Vadik has done so well that we're like invested in like their sort of not struggle but like them as a villain and i think it's wonderful like i'm happy to accept vadic into the you know the amazing like pantheon of trek villains like you know who we got you know the female changeling we've got wayun we've got like a uh, khan we've got Aiko, general we've Chan. got you know general Chan, you know <laughs> all of these famous villains <laughs> i i think yeah this because last episode she was she was well and truly fleshed out, uh, excuse the pun, but she was in this episode. No doubt. In in this episode, yeah. Uh in, in this episode, we get just the right amount, um, which is brilliant because we get those little one-liners, we get the the behavior, um, but we also get a little bit of to and from between Shaw and Seven, uh, where Shaw's basically saying, Why didn't you blow the turbo lift? Like mm. I was in there, you knew they were coming, why didn't you blow it? Um and straight away she's like i'm not going to do that consequences you know i'm not going to be i'm not going to trade life for life um mm. and then he starts referring to her as hansen and she just snaps back immediately she's like yeah. my name is seven and like you know now where she's like i will keep saying this until you say it um, yeah. and she says consequences of actions basically um and we're, we're seeing how you feel sorry for seven because she still hasn't found where she belongs like and obviously we we saw it in one of the previous episodes with where she was talking about voyager and realizing that that was the only time that she actually felt at home or part of a family and it's gone now like that time is over 
and we're realizing that she's not cut out for Starfleet because what Shaw is suggesting is exactly what you should have done as a Starfleet yeah. officer. You know, you have to be there to sacrifice others in order for the greater good, in order for like to protect people. The same way that we see later in the episode where these crew people are willing to give their lives to protect everyone else. And Seven's very much like, no, take me instead and do all of this. And, you know, all of these things, but that aren't Starfleet. Yeah. And, you know, and we're kind of, you know, it kind of keeps hitting like she, this is not the place for her. She thought it was, but then, yeah, I, I think that's my opinion. She, she's never really been Starfleet, even in Voyager. Uh, mm. she, she always went against the grain. Um, well, Voyager was such a unique crew. Like it was such a bizarre situation that kind of had to work together. Like with the the Marquis, with Starfleet, with like weird alien things that couldn't cook, um, and their pedo love child. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> she's like she's literally three. I, I I find it very uncomfortable watching Voyager, and she's like, "I'll be too soon," and I'm just like, "Oh Jesus oh. Christ." Yeah, this is awkward. But um, but yeah, no, it's it's that thing, and and that's the weird thing. It's like it kind of reminds me of school, you know, where like at school and uni and stuff, where you have like this weird banding together of friends, where you probably wouldn't know each other outside of that situation, but then you kind of, you know, it's like that. But then when it's over, you're like, oh right, we've all got our separate lives, we've all gone our different ways, kind of thing. It it feels like that, and where you're still kind of looking for that kind of like home. And I think I think that's like what we've got with Seven. But but it's the storytelling that allows that kind of plot and that kind of nuance to come across rather than just having Seven being angry and killing, you know, shooting people or whatever, like she was in like season one. And you're a bit like, this isn't really the character depth we wanted. Whereas now we're seeing this loneliness that um, also Vadik is accusing Jack Crusher of having because Jack has exactly the same thing of not belonging anywhere. And that's what Vadik's saying to him in this scene. Well, Vadik sends a team to go find uh, Jack, and she goes over to the uh, she goes over the intercom. She basically says he's got ten minutes to come to the bridge, yeah. um, or he she will start executing crew members. Um, down in sick bay, Jack immediately, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. Picard and Beverly are like, no, because that's what she wants. If you go, she'll kill us, mm. and that's it. She she wants. Um, just let us go because you know logic dictates that if she lets them go, they will come after her. So, you know, she's she, and he says, "Well, where else? Where where would she take me other than the Great Link? There there mm. is nowhere else other than the Great Link." And and I think throughout this episode as well, we've talked about one line as there is also lines in this where they are deliberately put in to set the viewers minds racing about mm. certain topics um now there's another one where just after they try and stop him to go uh he he, he says to his mother and father i'm not a changeling i am mm. different but i am not like these people i've never changed shape um i've always been different i think i can re- retake the ship um mm. i can control people and that's like <laughs> no. you said earlier she's yeah. like oh yeah it's hallucinating um, I got ahead of myself. I thought that scene was a lot earlier than it was. It's 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 very, you know, and he's he's trying to convince him and stuff. And and Sydney comes to his defense and she goes, "I have witnessed this because he possessed me." Mm. Um, 
And I like the fact, and again, this is one of the lines that I'm referencing where Picard goes to Jack, you are special in some ways unique. Now, I got a lot of Locutus vibes from that. Really? Because obviously in First Contact, mm. you know, it was it was depicted that Picard was special. He was unique. Mm. Um, he was a unique drone. Yeah. Um, in the collective, which was obviously not something that, but he was, he had his own name. And it, it was referenced mm. in uh, <clears throat> an earlier episode by Shaw where they were like, he was so unique, they gave him a name. Went yeah. on about Wolf 359. Um, and I'm like, right, okay. So this was my first inkling of like, okay, there's a, there's a bit of Borg vibe going on here. See, the thing is, okay, uh, one, one of my lovely friends who is also a massive fan of Picard, I probably mentioned them a lot on this, um, they obviously got to see it on Thursday through dodgy means. Um, and they were And they were basically talking about the episode and they were saying, oh, it's a bit... This episode's a bit Izzy, isn't he? And it's dropping loads of Borg references and stuff. And when I watched it, I was like, I didn't pick up on any of that. Like, I did not have any inkling of the Borg throughout this whole episode. But then hearing yourself and whatnot, I'm like, oh, maybe they were there. And I'm just too, like, ditzy to pick up on them. But it, it's that idea of, like, it, it's interesting that they're still not clear what it is. Like, it's a, like what they were saying in this episode, it, maybe we could interpret it as Borg, maybe we could interpret it as like Par Wraith, I'm still a bit like, because you know, when they talk about it, they're like, oh, it's something ancient, and I'm like, is our Borg yep. ancient? Technically they are, but you know, it's like, when I think of ancient, I'm thinking more like gods or something like that. But well, but it's this idea yeah. of like, it does keep us guessing. And, and also, he said something that I don't agree with at all, because he basically said, oh, it's a good episode, but it's a bit of a filler one. It's a bit of a, you know, like, will they, won't they kind of thing. And I'm just like, no, it's not. <laughs> Having watched it now, I'm just like, oh, this is not a filler episode at all. This is like everything happens in this. Like, you know, it's it's this is, you know, like we haven't had a filler episode in this series. We haven't had anything that's felt like you know my own my biggest complaint is the episode at the um the 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 fleet museum where it feels a bit like they've tried to fit three episodes in one episode you know like that was my biggest complaint but we've never had anything where it's a bit like oh god oh god they're just talking you know like and if, if you are like that then why are you watching trek you know yeah every, every episode has had a purpose it has had a meaning there has been no filler episodes i think they are packing each episode of the 10 episode run as much as they can but in a way that it doesn't feel like it's overwhelming mm. uh, or that it's fan service well fan service or that it's like oh we, we're just doing this to get to this we're just doing yeah. that to get to and this this i don't I, I don't agree that this was a filler episode because this for me was a conclusion to a certain arc which we'll get to later but um, it's it's also very because I think I think to be fair he might be coming at it where all he's interested in is what Jack is, and obviously in this it does have a bit of sort of oh is he is he not kind of thing. But then there's so many other plot threads happening that you're like, well, if all you care about is that, then yeah, <laughs> you know, like you know, it's like that's yeah. like oh I just can't wait for the Dominion War to be over. It's like you've got a bit to wait, <laughs> you know, like it's gonna be a slow grow. So so Jack goes to Picard that he can shall we say possess people um mm. and take control I, I love how it does it abe's odyssey style that's what i the, the reference yeah. i wanted to make like i love the idea of like because have we ever seen this in trek like this ability well we we had the we had the episode <laughs> where you know keiko was made slightly less evil 
through the use of a par wraith. Um, you know, so obviously she became a bit more likable for an episode, which was great. Uh, you know, but like, and then obviously we we had like possibly the same thing happen to. I have forgotten the name of the character, and I can't just keep Cisco? calling him Pedo Love Child. Um, oh, Neelix. No, not Neelix. Um, <laughs> I totally blanked on what her name series. is. Uh, in Voyager, Neelix's girlfriend in season one and two. Oh, Kess. Kess, yeah. Why couldn't I remember that? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Kess is one of my favourite characters as well. Like, genuinely, it's this whole thing where when you hear, like, oh, well, it was either get rid of, it was right, either get rid of Harry, get rid of Neelix, or get rid of Kess. And I'm like, and you got rid of Kess? <laughs> you know, what? <laughs> Yeah, Felix was right there, you know. But, um... Them's are the facts, guys. That's what Sinai just said. That was the decision halfway through. Uh, I think it was season three, season four, Voyager. The producers yeah. wanted to get rid of one character to zhuzh up the ratings with uh, Jerry Ryan, and uh, the decision was Kess. It was Harry Kim. It's it literally the the yeah. person discovering the universe who has latent psychic powers doesn't quite know how to control them, or the guy who's a shit cook and a shit like you know ambassador you know the, the guy who literally just goes hello alien race go fuck yourselves and you're like hang on he's the ambassador okay right okay we, we yeah. may have done <laughs> and it, it just made but i think what they were saying is it was because of like the amount of female characters weren't they they were yeah. kind of going like hey if we're gonna get rid of someone maybe it should be a girl and then we could bring in a sexier girl and that's how the seven of nine happened you know, in that kind of yeah that, that way of they already had Balana, they already had like um it was uh, all about balance. Yeah, and, and obviously I would have been fine with her. I'd be like, yeah, cool, the whole cast is women, who gives a shit? You know, like yeah. it's as long as it's written well. Yeah. So it's a bit annoying because I think I think there was a lot of potential for Kez, and I think a lot of the hatred comes from the fact that the writers didn't know what to do with her. Mm. Uh but um but anyway, yeah. But we have that episode with Kez where she gets possessed and she becomes like badass and stuff for an episode. We've never seen it done like this. We've never seen it done like because even the Par Wraith, when that happens, it doesn't. Maybe it is like this, you know. Maybe it is the same thing as we're seeing here. But it's there. It's interesting to see it from this perspective and have it where, like we say, he possesses someone and that person gets killed, and then you can see that it actually backlashes into Jack. Yeah, you know, he and obviously Jack's just like, "Whoa, I just witnessed someone die firsthand." You know, yeah, he he feels the effect because he he possesses uh, uh, Lieutenant Matthew uh, <clears throat> Matthew Arliss Muir, um, who is half Bajoran. Um, Whoa, I didn't realize you knew that. Oh no, you're talking about it later, aren't you? I'm talking oh, no, about this, the guy in the is... corridor. Oh yeah, the guy in the corridor was that was earlier. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, but... yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. we're at the sea where he's he's told Picard he, he can possess. So. Uh, they just, they say, well, uh, every ship's got an override code that captains and above can can enter if the ship is compromised, so they can mm -hmm. take control of the ship remotely. Um, so we see Jack uh, possess um, Mura, um, and then you see the you know Mura typing on there, and Vadix at the last minute grabs hold of the uh, Mura's arm. Yeah, and he's like, "How did you? How did?" And I love, I also love the fact that she she calls Jean Luc Picard by the French accent, where she's like, "How did you know Jean Luc Picard? <laughs> Jean Luc Picard?" And I'm like, "Because nobody does." <laughs> like, because know. nobody does. But it's like, yeah, that but, that's how the French would. It's like Jean Luc Picard, and I'm like, "Oh wow!" And she, you know, to be fair, she, if they were pronouncing it in proper French, they would just ignore half the letters, though. 
Yeah, yeah. Jean-Luc It'd just be Père. Père. Jean-Luc Père. He's just like, thanks, French. <laughs> so she... <laughs> thanks, French. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's that uh, thing of just being like, okay, just, these letters, they are not needed. Get rid of all of them, you know? So she goes, she goes to me, she goes, how did you know uh, Picard's override? Oh, is that you in there, Jack? And like, then we get the re- then we get the revelation that Vadik knows that Jack can possess people. Yeah, and he he obviously, and I don't want to say I'm trying to say this in the most diplomatic and less pervy way possible. He pulls out of Lieutenant Mira <laughs> um, to. He can take it. He's Bajoran. He disconnects. Well, they, um, they've been fucked for a very long time by the Cardassians, so it's a. Yeah. So and you know. He, he he disconnects from from Mira, um, and then she goes right. You know, time is up. So she puts um, Kovakin Kovarin Esma, Ensign Kovakin Esma, uh, <laughs> onto her knees. Hmm. Uh, tells you know who she is and stuff like that. And then she also uh, puts Lieutenant Mira onto the onto the floor. And she goes, you know, tell me who you are. I'm Lieutenant Matthew Mira. No, 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 no. Tell me about someone who loves you. And he's like, my son, um, mm. which I thought was really good because she's like, ah, Picard has a son. And she's like, one of mm. you are going to die. And in a shock decision, which I am fuming about, Tavine is vaporized. Yeah, I liked Tavine. I, I think I think this is the wonderful thing about this series, though. Like these are background characters. These are characters where we haven't had too much development on them, but we've had enough. We've had enough that we're like invested in them. And obviously, we were waxing lyrical earlier about like, wouldn't it be great to have like a, a Titan series and then have these characters in it and stuff? And there was this fear throughout this scene. Well, throughout all of the episode of going, oh my god, are we going to lose this? Could we lose Shaw? Could we lose like you know? I don't know his name. The the Bajoran, the Bajoran officer. Matthew you know, Mira. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's this thing of me just not being good enough for characters. They need to appear for like several episodes and have their name mentioned more. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's this idea of this investment of how good the writing is that we're like, we are invested in these characters. We don't want to see anything happen to them because we want like a spin-off. We want them to appear. And obviously it's like we've lost our bald Vulcan. We've, you know, I'm 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 upset about it, and it's and it's very much setting the stakes of going wow, you know, like we've had so much grit this season, I guess, like you know, in yeah. terms of like the the despair that we had in the black hole episode, like it's it's wonderful, but it's a sh- it's a shame to lose her, but it's the the horror of how frightening Vadek is that she's using these horrible mental tactics on them and stuff by basically just effectively just being like I will kill any of you like you know without warning like it could be any you know that is really frightening because then we go to the Shrike uh, where we get the lovely uh, dialogue between Riker and Deanna <laughs> um, when it comes to confronting Riker's grief uh, and we find out that uh, Troy uh, used her mental powers to not suppress but remove the grief from uh, Riker uh, over Thaddeus, over losing Thaddeus. Yeah. And he's basically saying, you, you were trying to remove my last memory of my son. Um, mm. And she was like, no, I was, I was trying to suppress it. You know, I'm trying to take the pain away from you. Where she didn't realize that 
what she was doing was taking away the grief that he needed to feel in order to overcome the yeah. loss of his son. You know, he need like anyone, they need time to mourn. They need time to come to terms with what has happened. And, and I, th I think this is way. the thing. It's, it's very much that she was trying to help there. Like she thought she was helping. And she was like, you know, she, she thought she was helping, but actually that's why he ran away because he needed to actually just deal with it. Because I think that's the thing about grief. We have to kind of get it, get it out there. You know, we have to get out there. We have to sort of like face it and then we can kind of deal better rather than ignoring it or doing what Troy was trying to do here of fix the solution. And that's what she says. She's kind of like, hey, we tried, I tried to skip to the end of therapy. Yeah. I mean, it's the sort of thing of like when I got some, when I got some incredibly bad news about my friend that the charity event is for uh, yesterday night, it was when I was at an event and I was like, um, you know, talking to a lot of people and things like that. And then I got the news and I had to take some time out just to, you know, have a bit yeah. of a grieving moment. And the problem was that I had friends like very much trying to help, like very much trying to sort of be like, oh, do you want to talk about it and stuff? And I'm like, no, I literally just need, you know, need to go time. through this. Yeah. And then I'll be able to sort of talk about it and things like that. And I think it's that weird thing. And you have people who are trying to help, but at the same time, you're like, no, this needs to be a, you know, I'm not running away from this. And I thought this was a beautiful scene and a beautiful talk about that's how she grieved. Like he was grieving by sort of like, you know, the loss of his son, where she was grieving by running away from it herself to, by helping others, by helping him deal with it. That was how she got through it. And it was that crazy, that dynamic that lovers have, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think the the opening part of this scene was was beautiful because we get that catharsis that they are actually talking about the loss of Thaddeus and they they openly admit you know Riker he ran away uh, as soon as Jean Luc called because it was the opportunity to get away from Nepenthe and Diana, mm. um, and she threw herself let's be honest threw herself into her work, which was to try and cure people of this grief. Um, but after this scene, we do get this lovely to and from about Nepenthe itself <laughs> and how much they fucking hate this planet. <laughs> and I love because we mentioned this earlier, guys, in, in the little, the little one liners um, where she's like, oh, the house was designed by retro prairie hipsters. And I'm like, <laughs> hipsters has been referenced in Star <laughs> Trek. Get in. Um, unfortunately, they still exist in the 25th century. Um <laughs> But you know, like the the foyer. I love it. It's a foyer? very judgy foyer. Very judgy foyer, and how the floor creaks. And she's like, "I miss Ractogeno lattes," and I'm like, yeah. "I kind of want a Ractogeno latte now." Yeah, because it, I, it sounds lush. It sounds absolutely lush. And I'm like, just well, glad that we have Ractogeno existing in something that isn't just DS9 because it hasn't been mentioned in TNG. It doesn't get mentioned in Voyager. Like you would have thought that. In Voyager, they'd have it in the replicators, but I don't think I they think do, do though, they? I think, though, that Rakdagino became a thing during DS9. No, so but that's fairly why... early, like sort of like... Yeah, this, yeah, fairly early. We're talking like season yeah. two, but like before Voyager was commissioned, like, oh. you know, the show. Because James, James like, Voyager's about... like season three, season four kind of t like time that that started up. 
uh voyager started in 95 so it's season two th- season three uh of, yeah. of ds9 um but janeway was all about the black coffee and murder so that's absolutely fine I think <laughs> the, the stylish klingon delicacy and anyway back to tuvix <laughs> uh, yeah but uh yeah so we get this this lovely thing where like well why are we still there you know and this is this is the conclusion for me this is the conclusion of them both getting over the loss of thaddeus because yeah. the whole reason they moved to nepenthe as is explained in season one was because the healing properties of the planet itself would they believed help uh, thaddeus uh, with his ailments mm. you know unfortunately it didn't work so for them to still be there it's also it's a latch of grief um mm. you know it's 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 and i know it's going to sound morbid but it's sort of like when when parents after they've lost a child they keep their their room in pristine condition yeah. and it's sort of like you are holding on to something that is not healthy for you um and for me this is sort of how the rikers were with nepenthe they were like because even riker says why are we still there you mm. miss the city you miss the lattes you miss people why are we still there? We don't need to be there. We can now go wherever we want. And, and this is the key thing. It's the fact of, it's the communication. Like it's in relationships, people, as soon as the communication breaks down, the relationship breaks down. And that's what's happened here, where it's the idea of now they're actually chatting to each other. Now they're actually going, hey, actually, I fucking hate this. Can we change this? And, you know, and then as soon as she mentions it, he's like, yeah, I totally agree. Like, and you just go, if you had have had this conversation earlier, if you'd been comfortable enough having this, you wouldn't have been there for so long, you know, like. And I, and I think it's wonderful. It, like, you know, in this one scene, well, these two scenes, we basically see their relationship sort of building back up kind of thing. And it's yeah. it's wonderful. It's such, you know, Terry Metalis, wow. Like, this is so good. But here is another line that I picked up <laughs> on from Deanna. We have to be willing to go through that door to what's next. Yeah. See, this is it. We'll we'll get onto this later in the episode, I think. Yeah, but planting the seed again. Yeah, planting that seed. But then we see a changeling come to the cell. Uh, doesn't last long because big bad wharf <laughs> is right behind him. Shanks the hell out of him, and then turns <laughs> a shank. tiny little yeah. Turns That's a, a shanking. Uh, Vaporizes him, uh, and then they're like wharf. Go to hug him, and he's like, "One's personal space should be." Uh, should be one's own prerogative. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes into this amazing speech with Deanna Way. He just goes into this really soppy stuff. And he's like, your spirit, your your spiritual motivation guided me. So he's like, is this a rescue or is this part of the torture? <laughs> it's the, the zingers just keep coming and it's so good. And it's seeing this ensemble cast, like sort of, you know, working with each other. And it's also the fact of like, reminding us oh yeah they they went out they had like this lovely love tryst in tng like wolf and diana and like and it doesn't get mentioned much and then realizing whoa this is the first time we've seen them together for like ages you know it's nemesis really yeah but that's it and even though we talk about like oh the characters have known each other like they've had relations like between the films and what we're seeing now and stuff it looks like wolf and diana just haven't like you know they haven't really hung out he kind of just buggered off to be an ambassador and now you know he's part of starfleet intelligence it's like well yeah i mean let's because when wolf originally came on it was like 11 years since he's seen picard and he like well think about it because wolf left after the enterprise 
D got destroyed. He went to Deep Space Nine, mm. and then he served at DSI, and then he became an ambassador in the Klingon Empire. He then mm. went back to the E for uh, whatever reason. They, they never really fully fleshed out why he went back to Starfleet um, yeah. to be in Nemesis. Um, and then, obviously, he worked for Starfleet Intelligence, but these people, some of these people wouldn't have seen each other for 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 years i mean yes picard yeah. saw geordie and stuff like that but crusher was off for 20 years um so yeah so i i i often think it like imagine seeing someone i haven't seen in in years and that yeah i would probably come out with this great big speech <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that and i'm like yeah i sort of get it but yeah i i love the the dry humor with wolf is is still better than ever uh, yeah. in this episode uh but we're going back I so and I love that we're keeping this we're keeping this plot here of basically going, look, they were lovers at some point, and there used to be this sort of awkward kind of like, you know, love triangle between like the three of them or whatever during TNG. And it's like that, it's it's that wonderful thing that they're acknowledging the TNG history rather than just being like, oh well, whatever, Wolf, you know, Wolf's forgotten all about it, you know. Like I'm annoyed that there's not enough reference to well there's not any reference to jadzia in this series yeah but hopefully there will be yeah that's it it's ho hopefully there will be but it's the fact of you know that the dedication is there that that is still something that's making you know like helping with wolf's decision making and whatnot is that but yeah i think <clears throat> sooner rather than later just just a quick side before we move on to the next scene mm. i think sooner rather than later we will go or they will come. So we will either go to Deep Space Nine, mm. or they will come to us. Um, I, I think there's. You're there's... really, you're really doubling down on this. I, I, am, I don't I think we're going to get more DS Nine, but I would love it. But I don't know. I, I think there's going to be even if it's just Colmini just just coming back as the greatest Starfleet officer that ever existed, Mal O'Brien, <laughs> or his know. statue that we saw in Lower Decks. I think he's 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 overseeing Frontier Day, and someone's just said, "Oh, we've got half the fleet here." And he's just like, "Ah, Jesus, <laughs> that's it. That's Colmini done for the entire that's thing." I'm like, "That's done. enough. That's enough." Yep. Like... Uh, or the unveil the statue of Miles O'Brien at Starfleet Academy, please. Got it. Um, so we go back to uh, the Titan where Jack is still wanting to go to the bridge um, to 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 end all this, basically. Um, and Sydney's trying to override the command lockout, but she goes, I can't do it. Uh, it would take me a year. My father would probably take a month, but we need someone with high computing power to do it. And mm. it's like, oh, who have we got with high computing power? Yeah. We've got new data down in the uh, in the lab. So they go uh, to the lab where Data and Geordi is, and we get another one-liner where the whole, there's, there's a standoff. I love it. I love this bit so much. <laughs> and Geordi goes, six years ago, uh, six years ago, you visited me. What gift did you bring? And he was like, I brought you a Chateau Picard that you said was dry because your taste in wine is pedestrian at best. And I'm like, does anyone like Chateau Picard? I just love the world? idea that Picard's literally his whole history is that is like family of winemakers and stuff, but they're shit at it. You know, like I joke about Beverly being a crap doctor, but I love the idea that Chateau de Picard is just pissed. Like it's just. I mean, because that's that's like two digs so far or three digs so far about Chateau Picard. I kind of want to taste it. I kind of want to try Chateau Picard. Just is it, is it mead? Is it dry? It'll just be bleach. It'll just it'll be just it'll be just bleach. be toilet yeah. duck. <laughs> it just, no one's told him. But um, I, yeah. I do I do love it though. That is 
And it's this thing, it's like, it's it's because of how good the writing is, we're willing to accept this kind of comedy aspect to Picard, like Worf it's natural in. In this one, we've got it where it feels like a progression of Picard that they've gotten older, they've got, they've learned to love a bit more, they they know they, they've become a bit more open and stuff. And I love that they can have this kind of rapport that they probably wouldn't have in the original series. And this is the, this is the way of adapting characters, like... Rather than just being like, oh, they're totally different, like they were in seasons one and two. It was very much like, oh, that that that's doesn't you should have built up to that. Whereas yeah. Yeah. But but this is where they they basically say we, we need data to mm. take control of the ship. But in order to do that, we need to get rid of law because there is this partition still within the the Android body uh, between data and law. So Picard does the Picard says the most quintessential TNG thing. Can we just reverse the partition? In anything in TNG, it was either reverse the polarity or reverse mm. the access code. Um, so for them to say that, I'm like, oh, for God's sakes, please don't. Um, <laughs> but basically, they make the decision that um, in order to get data back or try and get data back, we need to remove this partition and let data and law. Uh, fight it out in mm. in this shell of an android um but once we do that there is no going back and um, so they start the process and then we get what is the beginning of some terrific scenes with brent spiner um and brent spiner brent spiner and brent spiner is <laughs> all. um and we, we we get this where we see within the android body where data is is reminiscing uh, about his memories and we get the the cap from Sherlock Holmes and the pipe mm. um, and, and Laura's on the other side of the partition. Um, and he's, he's just, you can, you can sense the, the anger, the jealousy that the data had this life and had these memories that he never had. And then the partition comes down. Um, and he, the, the feeling, I got a feeling of abandon abandonment from law mm. all the way through this, because yes, he, he was, throughout yeah. his life he's always been uh abandoned while data got all these memories and all this love showered upon him um and then we see that law is starting to overpower data yeah um, and the crew are, are looking at it and you can see on the screen the, the red <laughs> is taking over the I'm currently overpowered by law. Apparently. If there if there is anything that I love about Picard, like uh, Star Trek, and one of the things you have to suspend disbelief for is that somehow they've made a UX, they've made a display for a really really specific scenario where you're just going like you know oh you know like why have you made it so that the blue represents data and the red represents law? Like surely that would have taken hours for you to sort of make that interface it's purely to demonstrate century. this thing. It's but, you know, like, you know, this thing where like, oh, yeah, we've just got this screen that does this really specific thing that we're doing for five minutes. And you're like, I know that computers will probably be a lot faster then, but and it'll probably be generated by the computer's actual AI. But I love the idea of just being like, here's a really specific graph we have, you know. <laughs> I mean, going back to the 90s when Michael Okuda used to design them. Yeah. I mean, they were all hand cut and hand yeah. done. So I'm like, hell yeah. I mean. Uh, yeah that's the thing like it's really specific graphics for for data's brain 
And it's like, yeah, that's not on SharePoint. You know, do you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. It's like, it's so I think about okay. Sydney spent years making this, like spent last three hours making this so that we can actually see the amount of data versus the amount of law. But um, but no, but it's it's a wonderful scene. And obviously, like, should we talk about this whole battle now or should we wait until later where it actually well, we only have one quick scene before we go back to data. Yeah, the so quick let... scene is is obviously the Shrike with uh, Raffi and Wolf and Riker and Troy, yeah. uh, where they find uh, the remains of Picard's biological shell, mm. um, and they, they basically say, "Well, they didn't want the whole body; they just wanted the part of his body that had the irremotic syndrome in his brain." Yeah, um, and they still don't know why. So they download the data. But didn't we get it proven that he didn't have aromatic syndrome? Aromatic syndrome, sorry. The aromatic, yeah, the <laughs> death by potpourri. The um, handles like um, they <laughs> they said it thrown it into question, hmm. and that's all we got. Yeah. So I think we hopefully we're going to find out next episode because we didn't get it in this scene because they do a runner because they discovered. Um, yeah. And then they they hop it onto the the cloak shuttle, um, but then we go back to data and law, uh, and we see the lovely lovely Denise Crosby, yeah, as Tasha Yar <laughs> in the little hollow uh, photograph that Data had treasured, uh, which I absolutely loved. If that's all we get of Denise Crosby in this episode in this series, I'll be pissed. But I, I love it because it's a what? it's a beautiful little nod. Well, my, my friend, when he was talking about this episode, he basically, he I, I need to, I'm going to see him later today, to be fair. Um, But he he basically said there's one amazing cameo that, you know, is wonderful. And there's one disappointing cameo where you're like, oh, really? Yeah. And the problem is, I have a feeling that this Denise Cosby one is the disappointing one. But I don't feel that way. I'm happy with this. I think it's wonderful to get that little nod where it's it's going, hey, here's a little nod, rather than say get actual Denise Cosby back and then give her one line and then kill her off. You know, it makes no sense that, to do so. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the idea of going, look, we're acknowledging her. She doesn't really fit in this actual series, but you know, she is a part of Trek and here you are. And I felt like it was a wonderful little cameo for her yeah. because I think we're at the point now where you can, you can reintroduce one character, obviously Keiko when she's revealed, but you know, you you have enough episodes left to reveal one more cameo, and then we're like, that's a lot, but we're happy with a lot because we've had some wonderful things. I think we're going but, to see a lot more. I, I do think we're going to see. I mean, I don't know. I yes, the writing might be perfect, but I'd be annoyed if they went like last episode. You know, like oh, well, look, it's Janeway. Oh, look, it's like two. You know, it's two more. Yeah. Well, we've seen two, but you know, like oh, look, it's like a uh, you know O'Brien and stuff. I don't know. I don't think there's a way narratively to do that justice when I think the final two episodes, is it, are going to have to be, episodes, yeah. you know, the plot. Like, you know... If it fits... You don't introduce fits. a character in the third act, like, yeah. of a film. If if it fits, it fits. But with Frontier Day coming up and the entire fleet being there, mm. they may, but I think they've done really well, with, like we mentioned earlier, they, they've done perfectly well gelling uh references of characters and introductions of, of legacy characters mm. into the show really well without it being shoehorned so we'll wait and see on that because we go back um obviously we, we see the lovely little uh hollow photo of tasha Yar, and then we see that vadik is about to execute someone else on the bridge and then jack walks on 
Mm. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, he's like, I didn't think you were going to come. He's like, oh, my mother taught me better manners than that. Yes. <laughs> And then he pulls out a mysterious uh, no medical knowledge, of course, but you know no medical <laughs> no medical knowledge. No, but he, he is a doctor. Um, <laughs> doctors without degrees. Um, so... <laughs> See, that's the thing. Well, we're talking about like the 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 charity thing that got set up in the previous seasons and stuff that like in Enterprise and whatnot. And then we're and then we're seeing like that's what actually Crusher set up: doctors without degrees. Doctors without degrees, <laughs> but he. He pulls out the grenade uh, and he basically says, you know, if you want me, you're going to have to let them all go. So Vadik uh, locks all. Well, the we don't know. This is the hilarious thing. And it comes around later that it does the computer being like unknown device detected. And we How assume it it's know? a grenade. Vadik assumes it's a grenade. But it the, the, the voiceover just goes unknown device. And you're like, they have no idea what this is. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a like... bit of a it's a bit of a plot device in the capacity of surely Vadik would. Like, surely there's no... How do they not know what this is? But it works for the episode, you know. It's... Yeah, it's we, We're pretty sure, certain it's a grenade. Like, you know, we, the way he uses it and the way that yeah. she looks at it and stuff, you know. Yeah. So she locks the crew into the observation lounge and Seven of Nine uh, goes, nah, fuck this. And Shaw goes, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm accepting the consequences of my actions. Mm. I'm like, oh, damn. And then we get another, another fitting line where Varric goes, how fitting it is for you to stay and witness this. Ah. Mm. Resistance is futile, Sinoids. Resistance is futile. Maybe. Also, I could tell you that the exact time that this happened was 4 a.m. because when I had my surround sound headphones on, we get the Undiscovered Country chimes. And I'm like, oh, so it's 4 a.m. somewhere, and it's here. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, so anyway, uh, so Jack wants to know... Basically, he's like, okay, so who am I? What am I? Mm. And Vadik alludes, and she's like vague and stuff like that. And she's like, and again, hearing the voices, like all the loneliness and the isolation. Yeah. Now that you are hearing the voices, how does it feel? And then she goes, do you want to look behind the red door? Yeah. And he's like, oh, shit. Oh, she she know. She know. Because even Seven's like, what's she talking about? It's so um, weird, though, because it's like... If it is something that isn't related to the changelings, and if the actual main purpose behind him isn't anything to do with changelings, and it's like par wraiths or it's Borg or something like that, how would Vadik know this? And that's the really intriguing thing, because we've got the impression that Vadik is just an agent of the big bad. And you just go, why would you give her that knowledge? of it which makes me think that maybe it is related to changelings and that she's experienced it herself in a way i don't know potentially or she's being told that he's a high value target and to not take him in dead yeah that's it or may maybe just like hey mention this to him and that'll get him on a, on your side like kind of thing it, it could be anything like that but i love the you know how this opens him up and he just goes like whoa was not expecting you to know about that yeah, but as this is playing out on the bridge, uh, we are down in the lab with uh, Data and Law constantly mm. fighting. Um, we see more references to Data's life where he's playing poker with his friends. Yeah, well, uh, he's got a tricorder, he's playing poker. Yeah, yeah. And obviously another good cameo. Well, not the same cameo, but you know. Spot. <laughs> it's Spot. The, spot. The most difficult cast member on Next Gen, so I hear. Well, there was two, wasn't there? There was a, there was a female and a male spot. Was uh, there? 
that they use. Yeah, it changed halfway through. Uh, it changed partway through the series uh, where they they got another cat, and it was like, yeah, I think it went from female spot to male spot mm. or something, or, or the other way around. But uh, we see that Law. Uh, the, the crew can see that Laura is, is destroying and overriding Data's program. Yeah. Um, we can see that, you know, it's, it looks like the Data is giving up. Um, and then when he's going on about Spot, that, you know, Spot is, Spot represents everything that I feel, basically. Spot mm. made, made me a better person. And then when he gives Spot, Data goes. And then the yeah. whole Elkar's display glows red. And they just basically think, well, that's it. Mm. Law, law has won data is gone for the for the second for the third time data mm. is gone um and then he doesn't yeah. he comes back <clears throat> i mean it, it's a sort of thing where we knew this was kind of going to happen we knew yeah. that you know obviously we we weren't expecting data to lose but it's i think it's done in like i when i when it first happened i was like oh it's a bit cheesy oh it's a bit like oh, of course you know data wins through the power of egg but how did he know that that was going to work yeah like as a tactic because because obviously his explanation is that like he defines himself through his memories and that's what makes him who he is like his experience make him who he is and by law taking on all of these as trophies and taking them from him he has become data so effectively data has taken him over yeah yeah yes yeah. and it's and it's the fact that like these these things do not mean nothing to law they are not like trinkets to law like he describes them they're actually things to be like hallowed you know like sort of because they mean so much to data and laws had none of that because the the analogy i'll make here is like um do you i don't know if you know people but I like people, people... <laughs> okay, that was the worst place for an Oxford I am real, guys. guys I know history. there's a popular misconception that I'm some sort of AI. I am real. Just you do don't exist. Lick you me. do actually exist. Which don't is, I, I've proven lick this now. me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, everyone, you have to lick Goodwill to make I sure I am not real, a tootsie pop. I am not a gobstopper. <laughs> Nerdfest, lick Goodwill. Okay. <laughs> don't don't lick Goodwill. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, you were saying. No, but it's this idea when you like people, where you have people who who don't have friends, and it's the scariest thing in the entire world when you just go, you know, like we we have it where you have people who have a small amount of friends. They have like sort of about like three or four really really tightly knit friends who you know, and that's that's that. That's all they need. You have people like me who know fuck tons of people, and like you know, I go whoa, I know all these people, and I have to like rush between them, and like The Sims, where it's like, oh, you need to catch up with this person and stuff, you know, to maintain like friendships. It feels a bit like that. Your friend is in the pool with no stairs. Oh shit! <laughs> not not for much longer. <laughs> now they're a gravestone in my garden. The amount of I've, the amount of Sim genocide I've committed over the years. Just to get a graveyard. You <laughs> like, thirty-one agent. <laughs> but, but like the idea, oh god, I'm gonna imagine if like AI takes over and like suddenly we go to jail for like game crimes or something. Like every person you killed in a video game, you're like, oh god, oh the Sims alone, I'm technically Hitler. We're but fine. but yes, anyway. But no, like, but when you meet people who genuinely don't have friends, where they might have one or two people that they chat to, but like they don't socialize, they don't like, you know, like like that those old men that go to the pub and they just sit there on their own for like eight hours and they complain about everything and they actually they actually draw 
pleasure from people suffering because i i knew someone who was like a flatmate years ago and whenever anything bad happened to someone so a couple broke up or oh someone like got hurt or something they would genuinely enjoy it they would take pleasure out of it and they would have a laugh about it and it would you know they weren't putting it on to be edgy or whatever they genuinely were like oh i'm actually this makes me happy yeah. that you are suffering and it's terrifying when you meet people like that and then seeing how law is that like laws you know the fact that law was given such a shit father who basically just ignored him who basically just said oh we'll just throw him out in the world oh he doesn't know how to do anything oh we haven't really taught him how to do anything we just kind of let him go out oh he's pissed loads of people off because he has no social sort of skills you know or he's too hyper social skills and now they're sort of, you know, you know, they got burning torches at the door kind of thing, like, you know, getting wanting to get him dismantled. That's Law's history. Law was never given that opportunity to be like, you know, to be like Data and be sort of considered and loved and whatnot. Well, that's why he and, says but, but seeing that he's become that, where he's taking pleasure from Data's suffering, and it's kind of being fixed by data sharing happy memories or going like hey look you could have all of this if you just yeah. could interact better you know because because he does say early in the episode because he goes why are you giving these to to me and he's like because you never had them yeah so and even exactly when that, even when data's dying he's showing compassion to his brother to say you never had these. you i said you had a really bad existence i am mm. giving you these memories obviously we know there's an ulterior motive to it but i am giving you these memories because you never had them knowing that law wouldn't erase them he would store them in yeah. himself to experience what data experienced because after all yes he is a monumental android dickhead but he wanted those experiences of love, of reverence, of enjoyment, of being with people and mm. feeling uh, respected and loved. And, and, you know, he never had that. And he Data uses that to Law's undoing um, because when he returns, like he gains full control. And then yeah. Data says, well, <laughs> you know, what is happening? And he's like, I knew that you would keep these as trophies. You And he said, you know, I use that you are now me and mm. i love that the end where after all law knows he's beaten but he just says goodbye brother yeah it's a beautiful it's a beautiful send off for law and obviously what we see is like law's not totally gone law is now part of data so in the data that we see after this scene and what we're going to see for the rest of the series is like uh an evolution of data where it's the fact of he's got access to all of law's emotions he's got access to this extra aspects of the personality that he never had before but like so law's not gone necessarily he's now integrated into he's made this character data. he's made data more human yeah because with without with all humans you take the good and the bad um mm. and data you had the good he never mm. had the bad there was no malice within data um, so now that he's he's got that and he's got the emotion, he's more well-rounded. Because when he comes back, um, <laughs> this because is, when he comes oh back, my God, this what a is, good scene this is. This, because they say data, and he's like, yes, you know, it's me. And we need control of the ship to say no more. And immediately, bang, lights come up. Uh, and then we get possibly the greatest line of this series. Well, is it? <laughs> is it what I think it is? Well, it's basically like what? It. 
<laughs> oh well, no, you you say it because it's data's uh, line. Data's line to Vadek is a brilliant. At, uh, attention, everyone! This is your friendly positronic pissed off security system. <laughs> and he's like, uh, you know, there has been a shift change. Unwanted guests and monologuing protoplasms. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, monologuing protoplasms is just like. I was like, I like this data. This is yeah, a good it. data. It's getting the 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 personality of law in there kind of thing. And it's made data very funny. Because we got little hints of this when data had his emotion chip for like an episode and stuff. Well, it wasn't that the first episode with law, wasn't it? Um, well, we got like a sort of, oh, well. what if data was a bit more sort of honest and a bit more sort of like, you know, poetic. <laughs> no, yeah. it was absolutely amazing. And then and then obviously the next thing we get to see is obviously Vadik losing control of the situation. And uh Because Jack... Rafi comes, yeah, because Rafi comes and just literally goes full on blade. Now, I'm gonna be honest, there were two yeah. things in this episode, and both of them are related to Wolf and Rafi that I wasn't happy about. In terms of same with the cloaking device, where it's like, how the fuck did they do that? Like, yeah, you're telling me that Rafi with a blade can take out like three changelings because the thing is we're not really seeing these as changelings like they have not changed at all really no. like no. like i wonder if these aren't changelings like uh you know her crew like vadik's crew because like these green. insect people or whatever they're green. not green they're like they are green i don't know what they are they're like, <laughs> they're like well, they were <laughs> they remind me of like the never-ending story you know the big crab things from never-ending story are you saying that they're skexies no, no, not Skeksis. I don't know what they, I don't know if they have a name, but the big crab things you have in Never Ending Story. Although actually oh, yeah. the Skeksis have them as well, don't they? Where they've got these big black crab like yeah, servants. We should call them big know. crabs. Big crabs, yeah, yeah. They've Vadik's got crabs. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Weird. Anyway, moving on. That's so how you yes. know that the changeling has been evolved when it can so, go. So Raffi and Raffi and Wolf. Obviously, she kicks yeah. ass with Raffi, doesn't she? But go on. Well, yeah, but it's the idea of you wouldn't be able to beat changelings. If they were actually changelings, they'd be like able to morph around her. The blades wouldn't do anything. I know it's a cool kick-ass scene, but it does feel a bit like, I don't think this would happen. Like, you know, it did feel a bit like, I think I would have preferred her rather than being with the blade, just standing at the doorway and shooting the fuck out of them. Because, you know, because what we see is she cuts them and then they fall over and then later on, Wolf comes over and finishes them all off with like a phaser. But it does feel very much like he's a rubbish changeling. <laughs> you know, like, so. Yeah. Um, You've seen how a changeling reacts to a blade in DS9, and you're like, it does nothing. This is a useless like endeavor. Yeah. But we go back to the bridge and we find out that the the thing that Jack has got in his hands is actually a force field creator. Um, and then which data... is great that's a great twist on it that I yeah. wasn't expecting and then data enableizes the emergency evacuation doors <laughs> on the bridge and we get possibly the last greatest line of this uh, of this episode please tell me please say it Graham please say it uh, just literally the, the door opens I have always had a wonderful thing for final villain lines like it's one of the things that i would happily i i would urge paul to do a nerdy up north episode about the best ending one-liners for villains because it's brilliant because this is vadek's ending line where as the as the, the 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 door is opening and she's about to be sucked into space she's just like fucking solids <laughs> and then sucked out <laughs> into space we see her we see her like ice over kind of thing and then, ironically, 
hitting the side of the shrike and smashing into pieces <laughs> where we sadly this will be the end of Vadic. I don't think there's any coming back from but what this. What a villain. Yeah. It's and a perfect conclusion, I'd say. Yeah, perfect conclusion. Like we've got we've got like her build-up, we've got a backstory, we know her character, we feel sorry for her. Like, you know, like it's just been Amanda Plummer has just been, you know, I don't know what awards you can nominate people for for a show like this, but I would definitely put Amanda Plummer forward because this is a villain where I'm I'm sorry to see them go because I would love to see them in more stuff. But we can't really complain when we've had such a well-rounded character. And for them to get an end that feels right, like it doesn't feel like a shitty end. Like if someone just came yep. in and shot her, you'd be like, oh, that, that's a bit boring. This is literally the idea of she she did it. She she took over the fucking ship. Like everything, you know, we, we've seen ups, we've seen downs. It's, yeah, what an amazing character. What an amazing actress. What, like, yeah. I think with Amazing. much like her, much like her father, Christopher Plummer, they will go down in Trek history as one of the all-time great villains because they had a well-rounded arc. Mm. Uh, they had an excellent backstory. They were acted perfectly, as far as I'm concerned. Amanda Plummer, one of the all-time great actors, um, actors that we've had on Star Trek. Mm. Um, excellent last line. Um, I think if this was it's the most changeling line in the entire it world. Is. It's <laughs> and I, I loved I, I just all the way through her mannerisms, her accent, her behavior, her tone, the way that she carried herself, it was just all sublime. Um, yes, the way that she died, I think is also perfect to be frozen and then shattered by her own ship. Mm. Um, I think it's it's poetic in a way. Um, I can't say much for her crew because, like you said, are these really shit changelings, or can they not change because of whatever things that they've had to them? We don't yeah. know. We might see more of them. I, I think I I would have probably preferred if maybe they were just a, like the problem is Breathe. are they changelings? You know, they have been referred to as changelings, haven't they? Because obviously, you they know, have, in the yes. subtitles where they got referred to as changelings, we were like, oh, but then like, I think they characters are... have actively said it. But but it's this, I think I would have preferred them to be another slave race, like the Jem'Hadar or the Vorta. Like, just mm -hmm. be like, hey, these are another slave race that work for the Dominion or work for the changelings, rather yeah. than like, what, you know, being just shit changelings. Because, yeah. Or at least if they if they were changelings, I would have liked them to have different forms or change their forms or something. Or like, because you wonder, you wonder like how a changeling does it. Because the only example we have really is Odo, who has his own form and takes on the form of Bajoran deputy with the hair of the scientist that, like, you know, um, what's his name? Dr. Oh, no, Dr. Dickhead. Me. Yeah, Dr. Do <laughs> Answer in the comments below if you know what the Bajoran Yeah, I can't, I, the, I'm showing my uh, the whole... 850 episodes, guys, come on. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then, like, obviously, and then with uh, with Vadic, they're basically taking on the persona of their torturer and whatnot. Mm. But then it'd be interesting to have changelings and be like, and then the female changeling just keeps this generic form. Like, yes. 
And I assume that it's basically that's they're trying to mimic Odo. So she's going, hey, I might as well have this form because it puts Odo at rest because I'm kind of copying the best he can do with humanity. And then that's just what I'll use for humanity rather than being a specific thing. I think it would have been nice to go, what is their default form? Or have a changeling character that kept changing and kept being like, oh, I want to be this today. I want to be the. I mean, and bizarrely, random fucking link. I think there's a character in um, the She-Ra remake, the cartoon She-Ra remake, who's basically yeah. like, I've forgotten the character, but they, they're they they, they're non-binary because they're like a changeling. Um, but they basically just keep changing their form all the time because they're just like, they can't settle. They're just like, oh, well, I'll be this, I'll do this today kind of thing. And it's like, you wonder if you had to be solid in order to operate a ship, what would you do? And we didn't really explore that. They just turned into these insect bird things, you know. Imagine hiring and paying so many actors to play one character as a <laughs> damn it um, up the budget uh, that, <laughs> okay that you would... may have just pointed out exactly why they didn't do what i was just suggesting that would be uh god help the casting director at paramount <laughs> for for like how many how many seasons 20 uh, how many episodes 26 you have to find 26 actors for what oh damn no i quit no 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 they're, they're this actor for 20 seconds <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then they change to something else and then they're a dog a talking dog. Oh, so we need to animate a talking dog. Yes. And then they're a puddle. You know, okay, I would be a nightmare as a showrunner. So just putting it there. <laughs> However, as a guest star in any Star Trek going forward, he would be absolutely perfect, guys. <laughs> Can you imagine me as a guest star? It'd be awful. Actually, nice. when we, me, and, me and my friend Kirsty were talking about going to one of the treks. And obviously, like, um, the only one we have here is Destination Trek in, in Birmingham. Um... Isn't it? Isn't it it's in Birmingham this year Birmingham? in August yeah. uh, at the Hilton. But then there. I kind of saw the price of it and I was like, oh God, oh, oh that's a lot of money. Because you know the thing where it's going, oh, it's like 600 quid for a ticket or something. Uh, however, for... guys, however, if you would like uh, me and Science Officer Sinai as a guest <laughs> at Destination Trek 2023 at the Birmingham NEC Hilton, please, please send us Noting a message it. because we are hardcore Trekkies. Oh yeah, um, I, I would love to be there. It's like the price because yeah, when I was like that, there. that involves hotel. That that includes the hotel, doesn't it? And it's like nope, nope. You still have to book your Hilton room as well. And you're like, this we is are the more than happy to represent <laughs> nerdy up north. We are more than happy to represent nerdy up north down south. <laughs> Give us a message, yeah. destination trek. But it, it's that thing. Like we were we were talking about that, and um, we were talking about who we would actually dress up as. And I I really like really like the idea of going as a water. Like doing the ears and doing that and putting hair on because we've never seen a bald water. You know, I think I'd love to do that. Like as I'm a, gonna go as a dickhead admiral. I am going to <laughs> I'm going to change my uniform. To I'm gonna I'm gonna get the the Stop I'm what you're doing. I need you to come over here and do this really dangerous thing for me. I need to find a 25th century uniform, destination trek. I'm talking to you. I'm gonna find <laughs> a 20 25th century uniform. I'm going to dress up as a dickhead admiral and I will go down to Birmingham and I will go to every single person I speak to. Sheer fucking hubris. I will do that. So Send good. me a message, Destination Trek. We want to go. It's this thing. It, it looks like a wonderful event. I would absolutely love to go, but it's that thing of going, I cannot justify those prices. And well done to the people who can. Like, they... I think they are probably the true fans, the people who are like going, hey, in my life, this is what I'm putting this money towards kind of thing. 100%. It's... 100%. However, back to the show, they blow their hell out of the Shrike. 
yeah. uh, before doing a runner, uh, and we go back to the which is good that they got the data off it before, like they had that oh, yes. scene with yes. the corp with uh, Picard's body and stuff being like, oh, let's just pull up that data, and you go, okay, cool. So you did a preamble to stealing that stuff because, but obviously, uh, fuck Picard's remains. Then you know they're just gone. Doesn't now. need them. Doesn't yeah. need them. Um, he's he's got he's he's fully positronic. So he's fully functional. Oh, he's fully yeah. functional and programmed Plus in multiple Jack. techniques. Ladies. But back on the Titan, um, Deanna senses something dark on the ship, uh, an overwhelming uh, darkness. And I'm like, it's just the ship's lights. Surely the power will come on soon. Yeah, that's, it's just uh, like, no, it's the, it's the Ikea bolt. It's, it's, I, it's I the also Ikea love bolt. that this is a bit of a callback to the 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 meme of Deanna just giving really vague, oh, I sense, I sense evil. And you're like, that's not very useful you know at all you know i i love but... i i love the exterior shot of the titan uh speeding away which is quite reminiscent that was a callback to the motion picture uh where we saw the beautiful shot of the the enterprise with the music stunning music in this episode yet again um data learning to feel like how you know how do you feel and he just goes i feel yeah um, it was so good. his neck which i loved um but we get that lovely touching moment between um, Geordie and Data where Geordie, uh, Data's using contractions mm. and a sense of humour about it uh, and how Geordie is just so glad to have his friend back. Which, you know, viewers of the next generation will will know just how close Data and Geordie were because Geordie was a very lonely person in mm. the next generation. He was very unlucky in love unless it was uh, photonic. But... Um, <laughs> He, Data was his, not only his friend, he was his brother. Mm. Um, and they took care of one another. So it was really nice to have this. They go back to the observation lounge and we get this lovely touching scene where they're all talking about how they are glad to be with one another and how Deanna says, you know, because Crushy says, I didn't see any of you for 20 years, mm. but I did miss you. And Deanna says, although I never saw you, I did talk to you in my darkest times and my lightest times. And then mm. Worf just comes out with, you know, many occasion I have considered sending you ahead um, from time to time, but I was told that that was passive aggressive. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I am here for you. <laughs> I, I think it's a thing. And I, I think it's the wonderful thing of like, you can have these silly moments when you've earned them, I think, in a series. And I think this pays off where this is a line that is a bit dumb from Wolf. Like, you know, like the idea of sending heads to his enemies, but it's funny. And we kind of accept it, like in this wonderful sort of, oh, Klingon culture is weird, which is basically all like uh, Worf is for the first like three seasons of like Next Gen. And it's it's wonderful. And obviously the joy of having all of them around this table now and all of them being fleshed out and all of them getting a little moment to kind of express themselves, like, you know, like yeah. as their characters, it's, it's a beautiful round table. Finally, we get them all together. Yeah, and Finally. and not early. Like it's sort of thing. Yes, there's fans being like, "Oh, they've you know done Marina bad and stuff." It's like, no, no, it's built up. Like I it feel so happy so well. Yeah, that everyone kind of got their little introduction into it, and then now they're part of it. And now we're here for the finale. We have everyone together. And as we see in the next scene, if we're if we're okay to move on to that, is the idea one little, of one little line. Diana's place yeah. in this one, one little line before we do move on because obviously they know that something's tied to frontier day and directly to jack 
Diana says the voice inside him is ancient and weak. Yeah. Paris. It's Paris. But this it is the thing. It's, it's, it's this idea of, like, we can talk about the Borg, but no one's ever described the Borg as ancient. Like, they are, Paris. you know. You know. It has to be Paris. Come on. It's, well, the thing is, okay, I think it's time, okay, so... Well, no, we'll do this after we've talked about the final yeah, we'll, scene. We'll go we'll back, we'll go back to the final scene. So, Deanna and Jack. Mm-hmm. So, what's going on? They're talking and shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's really good though. Like, it's. I think this is a this is like a double, you know, a very clever thing that they did because obviously, like, they're basically having a therapy session where Deanna's uh, Deanna's sitting down with Jack and basically being like, "Okay, we're going to get through this together." You know, you just start unlocking this stuff in your mind and I'll be there with you and stuff. Um, And it's obviously what she mentioned earlier about like, oh, there's a door, you know, like the open that door in terms of grief. And I think the problem is that she's kind of mentions the door to him and he's like, oh, you know, she's like, it's time to open the door. And I think the problem is she's meaning it metaphorically as in a psychological trait of basically that whereas for him it's actually more literal it's actually the red door that Vadik mentioned it's you know yeah and so i don't i think maybe she might not know what she's getting into here but effectively it's the idea of we're finally you know the 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 episode ends with jack's hand with uh, diana and him standing inside his mind with all the red vines the red door in the distance and then it ends with Jack's hand closing around the door handle. So in the next episode, we're going to find out what's behind that door. Oh, I hope so. I, I think hope so. What happens, though, if, if if we go full Silent Hill 2 with this, okay, and he basically opens the door and it's a tiny little Japanese dog in a control room and he's been doing everything? <laughs> it's just like, I... it was you, wasn't it? <laughs> You've I... been behind everything. And the dog's like, I control the universe. I am the Dominion. <laughs> it's it's kind of the thing, like, we've waited Ooh, so long. Remembering I have my random period poster. Silent plug. Hey. Um, <laughs> Silent plug. No one's ever called me that before. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of the thing, like, I was I was hoping that we, we may get some sort of explanation. Uh, I knew we wouldn't get it fully, but just some sort of explanation before the the episode ended, and we didn't. So mm. I was like, "Oh, come on! I have to wait another week to find out." But, but this is what my mate was saying with it being a filler thing. But I'm like, "Well, no, none of this episode was wasted. This is just building a plot over the course of things." And I think it ended. I really thought that it was going to end in the scene before. Like I thought it was yeah. going to end with the round table and not go into the like you know where she goes. It's time for us to find out, you know, like what's up with Jack. I don't know the exact line. Um, and I thought it was gonna end there, but it actually went into the therapy thing and kind of got this far, which was good. But overall, though, another really solid episode this week. Um, uh, do you have anything else to add in regards to this? Week? Not really. I think I think I, I, I'm quite pleased that we've literally covered everything. We've got all the amazing the amazing lines in there. I got to rant about the Rafi fighting changelings. It's no shade to Rafi, but it's you know that thing and just going, we have seen changelings in a fight and we are like, they are terrifying. You know, like it's well this <clears throat> but, um, week, guys. It's it's been absolutely it's it's an amazing episode. I absolutely loved it. I am so in love with this season. 
Well, this week, guys, we did a poll on the Nerdy Up North YouTube page. And various um, things. We put it all over the shop. We did on we, YouTube. We did. we did one on Twitter. We did. We did. Uh, I posted one on the Gay Treks group, uh, which is on Gay Trek Nerds, I think it is, on Facebook and got various re- like responses to that. But yeah. So we did a we did a poll, uh, basically wanting you guys to tell us who do you think is the big bad of uh, season three of Picard. Mm. Uh, the choices were uh, the Pyrrhists, Species 8472, something else, or Keiko O'Brien. <laughs> no surprises here, guys. Keiko O'Brien, with 40% of the vote, is the big bad of season three of Star Trek Picard. Um, so thank you. Put a silly option on a poll. It will always win. It will <laughs> always win. But thank you very much. It is confirmed that Keiko O'Brien is the big bad Whoa. of um, Season three. What was next? What was second to Keiko O'Brien? Paris. <laughs> Paris, so Paris is only second to the evil that is Keiko O'Brien. Yeah. Um, because where is <laughs> O'Brien, everyone? O'Brien would have solved this issue three episodes into season three. Yeah. O'Brien is missing. This is why yeah. it's still going on. <clears throat> but Free I think O'Brien. this is the thing. Um, and the the poll on the gay treks, uh, gay trek geeks, um. Uh, group was the opposite where Keiko didn't win, but could, but we had lots of other options added, like uh, Lieutenant Lieutenant Junior Grade, like Harry, Harry Kim. Kim. He's been promoted and he's back for a revenge. Finally, one rank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got um, thirty years. <laughs> but but on this one, the something else won. The something else had like fifty six percent, and the power oh, race only had about twenty four. And it was like, oh, okay, so it was pretty was divided it? between them. But yeah, so it was the idea that like they were going, it's not going to be the par race. But I don't know. After seeing this, I'm kind of tempted. Like ancient something. I mean, maybe it is going to be something else. But I I'd love it to be the par race and then have it being more of another conclusion to DS9. Because obviously in DS9, we basically go, hey, they might not be totally defeated. Like, because there might be more of them hanging around. Like, because we don't know that the wraith that was in Keiko. Ooh, technically, maybe the poll's right then. If the wraith Ooh. that was in Keiko uh, is the one, you know, like didn't go to the fire caves or get locked in the fire caves at the end of DS9. So we hmm. will have to wait and see. So, yeah. guys, this was our review of episode eight of Star Trek Picard season three. Um, I would like to thank my wonderful co host, Science Officer Sinois, for joining me this week. <laughs> Um, we we do love to we do love to go off in a tangent. What are your theories uh, on who the big bads are in Star Trek: The Card? Please put them in the comments below. Give us a like while you are there. Next, uh, the next week is going to be a busy one for for Nerdy Up North. We yeah. start with uh, our live podcast tomorrow, Sunday, the 9th of April, where we are talking about our favorite Universal monsters. Um, are you there? Are you in- I'm not, but you are. Okay, I, I'm in it. I was, I'm not sure because I know it's it's only me and Sammy that have been like talking about our universal monsters, so I don't know who the other guests are. Oh, you will Grant? have to wait. It could be Frankenstein, you don't know. Um, <laughs> but that that is that is 7:30 p.m. UK time live on the Nerdy Up North YouTube page. Link in the description below as well. Um, you also might be aware that we are doing Nerdfest 2023 in Newcastle upon Tyne on Monday the 10th of April at the Boiler Shop in Newcastle upon Tyne. Um, we will be there in full Nerdy Up North um, 
tradition of degeneracy and humor um i will be walking around uh the expo the expo convention the thing the shall we say. <laughs> i will be walking around filming people i will be doing interviews so please come and say hello if you do see me uh you may get one of these rather Fancy nerdy up north stickers so if you do fancy, so. so I will also be judging the cosplay competition with my dear friends Sammy, Jake, and Charlotte. So we will be there. I do accept bribes, but they may not work. Um, <laughs> so please come. It's it's going to be a great day out for all the family. So come to the boiler shop. Um, then we've got episode nine of Star Trek and we're nerdy up north next yeah. Friday, which should right. go up on Saturday. And then we've got your Twitch stream, which you are going to be physically broken by the end of. Yeah, it's going to be next Friday and Saturday are going to be hard days, but we will get through them. And I think if there was ever a worthy cause to destroy myself <laughs> through lack of sleep and playing a lot of video games and talking for a full day, it is um what is it for uh saint benedict's hospice which i will be raising money for so i can employ you enough if you're watching this please join the stream please join the stream on friday you can go to the links in the description below sinoise.com forward slash twitch or the velvet snatch.com forward slash twitch uh or twitch.tv slash the noise everything you know, will yeah, be down it's there. in the link everything yeah everything, everything yeah. will be below guys um we're hoping to start at 9 p.m on 9 p.m next friday that's absolutely wonderful guys please give nerdy up north a follow uh wherever you use your social media we are on facebook we are on twitch we are on twitter we have a patreon we have everything it's all in the description below guys Thank you so, so much for watching this week's episode. Graham, why are you licking? I'm trying to lick the description. I'm trying to get all the delicious links. I collected guys. all of the delicious link juice. All of the help links me, are within me. Please, please help <laughs> me. Um, as ever, guys, thank you so much for, for tuning in. Um, like, comment, subscribe. Do all, the, do all the stuff that you're supposed to do. Uh, and we will see you next week. So... Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.